0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Today, that's the love. That's true love when you see, when we're talking about, he ran to me. Today, that song just, for what I'm going to speak today, I think, that's God, Ordered that song today. If you will, will you turn with me to Revelations 2 in chapter 1. I'm going to read I mean, chapter 2, verse 1. If you will, continue today, be in prayer with us today. Always at 3 o'clock, we'll have service in Madison, but also we'll be in prayer tonight at 6.30. We're going to, to the prison in Madison, and they're supposed to be scheduled for 6 to be baptized tonight. And so uh, we'll be in prayer tonight that God will move in that service tonight. Revelations 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the, of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and I know thy labor, and thy patience. And how then... Thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which saith they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Verse 3 says, And hast borne and hast patience, has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and hast not faint, fainted. Verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou hast fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlesticks out of his place, except thou repent. Drop down to verse 7, and it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you will, lay your Bibles down and join me in prayer today that a God will anoint me till that I can share this word to you. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, to anoint this earthly vessel, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch me today, Lord Jesus, and to allow me to share this word, Lord Jesus, on my heart. Lord, allow me, Lord Jesus, to share this word, Lord Jesus, that you've laid into my heart this last couple days. Lord, I ask you to touch this congregation today, Lord, that you anoint each one here today, that they'll receive this word, Lord Jesus, like you've laid it, Lord Jesus, that you've to, to their hearts, Lord. Lord, I ask you to touch us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Today, I want to talk to us today for a few minutes about you have forsaken your first love. Here the Lord gives, first of Revelations, the Lord gives these churches a spiritual evaluation report. Though he is directing these letters at the churches of this day, the counsel and the critiquing applies to us today. These seven letters tells us what Christ thinks of his church. They contain encouragements and they also contain warnings. And today that's one of the things I want to talk today is is a, a warning I feel God has for His church, not just the church in Ephesus, but I believe it's a warning for us here today. We should not ignore these letters. You know, sometimes in Bible we look at Bible. A lot of times we we stories or we look at warnings even in the Bible. Sometimes to churches or things in the Bible, we find ourselves. Well, that's just for that time, or that's for just the just the Bible time. Sometimes we can just write it off. They're not teasing. that word's not speaking to me. But today, we cannot ignore these letters. These seven letters reveals Christ, and it reveals his word. Revelations means unveiling, and that's just what the book of Revelations does. It unveils who Jesus Christ is, and it unveils his word. It was written while John, the apostle John, was in exile. John the apostle was banished to an island of Patmos, just kind of give you a little area where the word this word came from. He was cut off from the rest of the world, but he was not cut off from God. Today, you may feel like in this place, you may feel like all the, you're cut off from the rest of the world in your life. You may feel like there's, you're completely separate, or feel like there's a wall between you and the rest of the world. But don't worry, because you cannot be cut off from God. Paul writes to Timothy during when he was in prison. He says in 2 Timothy 2 and 9, he says, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bounds. But the word of God is not bound. So today, the word of God, it doesn't matter how bound you feel like you are. The word of God don't have bounds on It don't have bounds on it. The word is loosed to minister to us. John's letters was not a private correspondence. Sometimes, you know, we look at it, we look at this word as it's, he was writing to these churches. But it was likely that all ch- seven churches received all seven of the letters and the rest of the book of Revelations, too. But it wasn't just to them. Notice that each one contains the command. And I read in the last verse. It says, who, he, who has an ear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The plural word churches is significant. These letters was not to just these one church. These letters was to all believers. So that includes us here today. These last words and this this warning was I believe it was here for us today. I feel that God is telling his church to get ready for his coming. It is like God it's like getting your affairs in order in the light that what is soon to come. I believe it's God's coming back soon. And I know I've heard that all my life. I've been I've lived in, in this church for 47 years, and I've heard God's coming back, but I believe it's closer today than it has ever been. It's the coming of Christ. He critiques his churches. The Lord's first message was to the church of Ephesus, and I'm gonna just, just kind of preface a little bit about the church of Ephesus just a minute just to kind of lay a groundwork about what the church of Ephesus was like. The city of Ephesus, whose name is desi- was Desirable, or means desirable, was the gateway to the Southwest Asia. And it was the most prominent city in the Roman providence of the Asian minor. Ephesus was by far one of the most important and prosperous cities. Ephesus was the landing place. It was a port city. Just like any city today that's on a port or has, where, where economists, or, or, you know, where supplies and stuff is coming in and, into a port, you know, there's, it's, it's a, through, you know, through our, our merchandise and things comes through into a port, you know, where that comes is, is always that city is going to grow and that growth is going to prosper because there's many jobs there where, where the produce and things comes into a city. And that was just what this city was. It was a port city. That meant there was a lot of traffic from all different places that passed through it, which made it a strategic place for to spread the gospel. Anywhere there's people coming in from all different places and leaving and going different places in the world, that's a strategic place to spread the gospel. However, later Christians were brought through Ephesus to face death in the Roman arena. Then the city was called the Road to Martyrdom. It was a prosperous metropolis which was had a thriving market. Ephesus was a meeting place for very many religions. The early Christian church was persecuted For their exclusive devotion to the Lord. There was no other Lord. That's what they believed and that's what we believe here today. But they were persecuted for just for that. Believers were singled out for refusing to worship Caesar. The church of Ephesus was established by Paul. During his second missionary journey in the book of Acts chapter 18. On his third missionary journey Paul remained in Ephesus for about three years. And the gospel spread throughout that region. We find John writing these letters probably 30 to 40 years later and that's just kind of a little history about the church of Ephesus but now to the first letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He said and the Bible said in the first scripture I read it says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write I these things saying he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The letter is addressed to the angel of the church of Ephesus. The Greek word angelos often refers to a human messenger in context with the messengers of the seven churches or li- is likely was their pastor. That's who this, message, this, this letter was wrote to, was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. The word, so this word is wrote to this pastor, and he tells them the seven churches. It is, verse 1 describes Christ as one who controls the messenger. And it is present in all, among all the churches. If you read in the next verse, in verse two, no, in verse, verse one, the second part of verse one, it says, I, these things saith that I holdeth the seven stars in the right hand. The word holdeth me here means to hold, authoritative, to hold authoritatively. Christ is sovereign with his, over his churches. He is thoroughly aware of their problems and their progresses. Just as he's aware of today of our problems. Today we may feel like, you know, we, we feel like we're all alone. Like Brother, Brother Williams said earlier today, you, sometimes you feel like God's asleep on you. But sometimes we may feel like, but he's aware of our problems. He's aware right where we're at. He's aware of where our progress is too. He's aware, he's aware of what we're at. In Leviticus 26 and, two, uh, 26 and 12, the Lord promises, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be. My people, since he is in their midst, Jesus can say in verse two, "I know your deeds in verse two and three in the that the Ephesian church had he said that they had told to the point of exhaustion, patiently living with the hostility of the society that opposed their beliefs, their goals, and their efforts. Here this church of ephesians Ephesian church here it wasn't not just you know it was a church that had not, you know, the Bible says it wasn't a church that had, they had toiled to the point of exhaustion they were patiently living in hostility of their society that, that was opposing to their beliefs there was a church that was standing strong there was a church that was standing against the, the, the wiles of this world this was not a church that was backslidden church this was not a church that was living this was a church that was living by the word of God this, but Jesus warned them after he, de, he departed. He said there would be false teachers would infiltrate the church and to spread deceit. In the Ephesian church, they appraised all teachings and they opposed these kind of false doctrines. They refused to tolerate any compromise of unbiblical or pagan worldviews. The church of Ephesus, in our language, to put them in our language they were holding the standard of the Word of God and they were preaching truth without wavering. Today they was kind of a church like us they was a church you know that, that was holding to what God said they wasn't a church that was backslidden they wasn't a church that you know there wasn't they were they were doing what God says and he said he said that they, you know, he commended them about that but he says despite despite their spiritual vitality Jesus stated in verse four he called them out he says, you have forsaken your first love. Even though they were doing our thing, everything they, even though they was looking on the outside, they looked like everything was all right. They were being involved. I think they were, you know, just put it in our terms, they were probably teaching Sunday school every Sunday. They were having new things, and they were doing starting churches probably on the other thing. They were doing all these things, you know, doing works of God. But so many times in life just like that, that we can, we can find ourselves being busy about God. But we can find ourselves losing our first love. Sometimes you know I talk about it as a marriage. Sometimes you know, we look at it as a marriage, we as a husband, sometimes we we're so busy of supporting the family. So many times we're on the job and we work our hours, we work as many overtime and we sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we lose what trying to support a family. Sometimes we lose the first love or the love for that family. Because we're so active and we're trying to do this part of that part of that love. And we, re- we lose out on that true love. They note that they they were they were doing what they were was doing out of pure tradition and not out of a love for God. So many times in life if we're not careful, we can just do what we do every Sunday. We can just go through the motions of having church. We can just do it because we've done it all of our life. Like I said earlier, I've been here forty-seven years. I've watched people sing songs. I know the schedule of the service. I know how, what comes next, and I know how to preach the word. And, and I've sat through services at, through growing up in church, and I know how to have church. But if not careful, we, if we're not careful, we can just do that by from tradition, or do that because that's how we were taught to do, we can do, we can dress and we can do things, we can do everything we can do because that's how we were taught but take note the Bible didn't say they lost their love the Bible says they forsake it, they left their first love and so the Lord challenges the church to restore their spiritual passion they have toiled, they have endurance they had endurance and they have they have lived in holiness But the love was gone. Outward success is no substitute for spiritual devotion. It don't matter how much success we have in life. It don't substitute spiritual devotion. Our ultimate goal must be to exalt Christ first. Our first love. That should be our most important thing. If we got our love right with God, we'll have our love right with people. Well, if we have our love right with God, we'll have our, our, our relationship with everything else. We need to put our love for God first. But then Jesus had some correction. He, Jesus gives them threefold correction. He first tells them to remember. The scripture says, remember the height from which you have fallen. See your situation for what it is and how it used to be. I know I'm speaking to a crowd today of people, some people that's been in, this maybe your first service, or I'm speaking to people that's been here for 50 plus years in this thing, in, in this walk with God. But we need to remember where our height, we need to remember where we have fallen. See your situation for what it is. Today, as I remember times in my life, and I can remember times as, as Brother Bobby was talking about miracles in your life, I remember things when God has done things in my life. But the most important miracle I can remember what God did for my life was right here in front of where sister, brother, sister Susan sat. When I was about 33 years ago, God filled me with the Holy Ghost for the first time, standing right in front of that first pew. God, I remember that. I go back to that memory every time when things go worse, when God ran to me. As a young boy, he ran to me as a 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old boy, and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And then when I was 19, I another remember right, right by that door right over there, God refilled me with the Holy Ghost. because I had, I had ran. I had went the opposite direction. but when I, when I come out, walked up in front of that first pew, and God, when I raised my hands, God ran back to me today. That love God had for me, when I turned my love back to Him. And not love of this world. When I turn my love back to him, he ran back to me and he refilled me with the Holy Ghost. And I stand on them things. I remember them when times get rough that God loved me so much that he ran to me. When we remember, remember how much God loves us, that he made us individually. He handcrafted each one of us. We're every one here different. When God lo- he loves something so much, he loved me so much that he made me. With all my flaws, with all my, my, everything about me, he made me. And he loved me that much. He also, remember, I remember he loved me. We need to remember he loved us so much that he went to a cross for us, for our sins. We must recall the, and the zeal we once had for, for God when we were newborn believers, the church had regressed and Jesus was calling them for a self-examination. That's what he was calling. He says, you need to revaluate your life. You may have had the Holy Ghost or you may not have the Holy Ghost, but today if you have had the Holy Ghost, you may not have had it but for just a few months or you may have had it for decades. But sometimes it's so easy. It's so easy to regress. It's so easy just to fall in that old Hum, that old just everyday thing and we need to self examine ourselves am I where I need to be with God do I love him as much as he loves me and the next thing God told them to do is they must repent when they reevaluated their life they must repent repentance means to change of, is a change of mind heart and direction repentance is sorrow converted into action and that's what God. When we when we realize that we have, we've drifted away, and when we realize that we need to come back to God, the first thing we need to do is repent for ever leaving Him, for everything that we've done. I I have to go and I have to do this daily. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Sorry for my shortcomings. Sorry for what I didn't do. Sorry for what I did do. Because there's so many times, as long as I live in this flesh, there's times that I have weaknesses. There's times that I that I give in to old things in my life and I have to ask for repentance. The third thing Jesus said is resume. He says, do the things you first did. Return to the start, and this time, do it right. In the game of Monopoly, you sometimes you draw a card that says return to go. Today, if we've drifted away and turned away from God, we just need to do just that. We need to return to go. We need, we need to return to where we left him. We need to do the things that we once did when first we first trusted Christ. Maintain a vital prayer life. Read the scripture, share your faith. Be excited about fellowship and about worship. Restore your spiritual passion. Then, God, then it comes to a warning that Lord put after he says you've lost your f- love. Then he says, then he comes to a warning that Lord may have to remove your lampstand. When a church is without devotion to Christ or compassion toward others, it ceases to be a church. Christ cautions the Ephesians believers that he may have to remove their church as a testimony to him. The church is often referred to in Scripture as the God's bride. And the Lord's observation is that the bride had, lo- had falling out of love. Or he was saying, the honeymoon is over. Without love, churches becomes lifeless and useless. Today, without love for God, if we don't have our love relationship with God right, as I said earlier, we won't have our love relationship with people. And we don't have our love relationship with people. We've lost We've fallen out of love. Without love, churches becomes lifeless and is useless. Christ is the light of the world, and the church is supposed to reflect his light. We should reflect God's love. Just as much as God loves us, that's how much love we should reflect to the people. A church without a light is no longer a beacon, and it's lampstand. Is removed, or its light goes out. Today, our love—we've we, sometimes we all feel like we've lost our love for God. There's an old song, and I kind of debated about using it, but there's an old song that was actually before I was born, so I guess it'd be okay. <laughs> it Talks—it's talking about a, a, a talking about a. a Kind of a relationship between a man and a woman. And the, the song goes to the chorus. It that says, that There's not a mountain high enough. There's not a valley low enough. There's not a river wide enough to keep me apart from you. I'm not, I ain't got the words exactly right, but I got the meaning of the words. But, but that's what sometimes in life, when our love relationship with God is not right, when our love is right with Him, there's not no mountain high enough. There's not no valley low enough. There's not no river wide enough to keep us apart from where God's at or for what God's doing in our life. If, so when we get our relationship right with God, there's not going to be nothing that can keep us from him. Today, as we stand today, I ask you today, as if, have, you, have you allowed the love of God to drift in your life? Are you not where you used to be with God? Today, or, or you find yourself today Allowing things to come between you and God. Today, as I said, as he challenged this church, as he warned that church in Ephesus, he says because of the loss of love, and I believe what he was saying is if you don't correct that in your life, if you don't get your love relationship back right, I will put out your light in your life. I believe that warning goes for us here today. Today, I believe today, if our relationship ain't right with God, we may still look the part. We may still look like a church. But if our love and our relationship ain't right with Him, we're just a group of people. We're just a social club. So today, as I open this altar today, I ask us today, remember where we used to be. Remember what we used to feel like when God's presence moved in our life. And I ask us to ask repent if we're not where we used to be or we're not where we want to be. I ask us today to repent. As I open this altar today, and I invite you to come, I ask you to, to, to reconnect that love with God.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.